Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Two groups on today's show. Chad Askew joins me in the second half of today's program to talk about his amazing journey from resident to now employee of an organization called the Denton Freedom House. We're going to start off with Tazor Moore. She's the executive director and founder of Hear My Cry. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing good. All right. So we met in, I guess it's kind of like a pitch meeting a few weeks ago. I really liked your presentation and I had to have you on the show to kind of talk about what you're doing. So I'm glad that you uh, made the trip. And I um, appreciate the opportunity that you've given me. Where are you based out of? I'm based out of Dallas, um, out from McKinney Avenue, actually downtown Dallas. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you live in downtown Dallas? No, I do not live in downtown Dallas. My office is now in Dallas. I live in Mansfield. Oh, all right. Yeah. So you make the commute. I make the commute. All right. Well, That's how dedicated I am. <laughs> And that's why I like you. All right. So uh, these interviews, they basically always got to start the same way. Let's talk about your organization. What do you guys do? What is Hear My Cry? Okay. So I founded Hear My Cry Foundation in 2013. Um, It rooted from a situation that I had. I lost my husband to suicide in 2012. Um, With me losing my husband, the whole process of me healing from the death less loan of suicide death was very tremendously hurtful to me and my kids. So in the process of me healing, I realized that it was a lot of signs that I missed um, that is easily could be missed. But I think if we drive home and let people know the warning signs of suicide, then we'll be able to give the people the help that they need instead of overlooking the um, warning signs that they have. It's really hard to talk about this subject just in general, but the way that you do it, I noticed it, it it was great, and I, I, it's interesting to me to hear you say that you miss signs. It's hard for people yes. to just admit stuff like this, mm-hmm. even harder to push that into a super positive direction, which is what you're doing with this organization. Correct. When did you decide that you needed to do something to help <laughs> yourself and to help others? Well, to be honest with you, um, in the process of my losing my husband, um, in my culture, we do not believe in suicide. We don't believe that that's something that we deal with. You know, anything that we deal with that's um, bothering us, we have to pray about it or, um, you know, we talk about it. But killing ourselves is definitely not an option. So with losing him to suicide, it was is it was hard. Way, is that the way you thought? That was the way I thought and that was the way I was raised. Um, you know, suicide is something that we don't talk about in the churches. And when we do, it's always considered as being a spirit. So a lot of times that people that feel like they're suicidal, they don't know where to turn to. Because if they go to church, they tell them that they're not praying hard enough. They come home, their family thinking there's, you know, either they're wanting attention mm-hmm. or they just saying something just to be saying something. Or it's just a 
you know, a phase right now that they're going through. So in my situation, um, my husband attempted twice prior to meeting me. So those that was one of the biggest signs that I missed. You know, I was thinking like, okay, there was just a phase in his life that he was going through. He didn't have any kids. So now, you know, we have our family. We don't got married. We have two kids now. So, you know, all of that is behind him. But not knowing that it wasn't necessarily him missing anything, he wasn't whole as a person. Mm-hmm. And so when I say missing the signs, um, prior to maybe a couple of days before he decided to um, end his life, um, he was kind of like distant. You know, and I remember like looking back now, I remember always asking him like, what's wrong? You know, he was more the upbeat, you know, it was time to go to work. He have his backpack together. He was headed going to work. But this particular week, it was just like he was just so like maybe in his own world. And I was like, you know, if you're tired, you know, you could stay at home. You could call in, you know, if you don't feel like going. And he was just like, no, I'm just going to go. And that was one of the signs that something was going on with him. And maybe he didn't feel comfortable talking to me. But maybe I could have um, did a different approach. Maybe was more concerned of not basing it on him not wanting to be at work, but maybe basing on what is wrong with you as the individual person. You know, and at first, I'm not going to lie, I did beat myself up. But then I also had to realize if I knew this and what he was dealing with, I definitely would have got him the help that he needed. So it was more of me trying to educate myself, also being open-minded to let me know that there's nothing that I have did or could have done that could have avoided this because with my lack of knowledge of suicide and the warning signs and the importance of mental health, a lot of times we don't even really think about mental health. We think about our physical health, you know, but mental health is just something that, you know, sometimes we don't even really pay attention to you've been able to make such a huge shift mentally on something that is very entrenched i mean you're talking about very deep understandings and deep ideals that you held and you've completely transformed that into a completely different outlook how were you able to do that did you have help on that or is this something that you had to kind of do on your by yourself to be honest my foundation with me starting my organization when me starting my organization, I had to learn. I had to educate myself. A lot of times people take it negative because they do not know. So they was like, oh, why, my goodness, like I'm going to beat myself up because I should have known. But you don't take the time out to educate yourself. You know, you hear about suicide. You hear about mental health on TV. But how many times do you really look up and say, you know what, let me look at the warning signs of suicide. You don't. I didn't. You know, what is mental health? I hear it, but. Let me look it up and see what is mental health, you know, versus when we hear other type of illnesses, you know, we look it up. Like, let me look at the one in signs of cancer. Let me look at the one in signs of, you know, any other type of illnesses that much more common. Exactly. Exactly. So with me getting to this point is me educating myself and me letting me know, letting myself know that it wasn't my fault. Do not take it personal. It's not that. I didn't love him enough. It's nothing that I did. It was just something that he was dealing with that he didn't take the ownership to ask for help. If he would have asked for the help, then I would have been able to give him the help. What did that understanding do for you personally? It bridged the gap. Um, Just be honest, when he first passed away and with my religion belief, I felt like he was going to hell. And that's something that... I dealt with 
on a constantly basis. Like why my husband was, I'm telling you, would give the shirt off his back to anyone. Will be he's just this type of the life of the party. You know, he makes sure everyone is okay from the family personal family to his jobs like wherever he goes wherever he went he touched people's lives and I just could not understand that this one incident that he couldn't look past that he decides to end his life and he end up waking up in hell so I was like you know what this can't be true let me educate myself let me study let me figure out you know because I just know a happy person just won't wake up one day and just say, hey, I want to end it all. It has to be steps. It has to be some type of illness. It has to be some type of life situations that will put a person to that situation that feel like I want to give up. I'm better dead than alive. So that with me educating myself, with me being honest with myself and with me not trying to take all the blame, but also look at it from twofold. If he would have asked me for help, I would have gave him the help. If I didn't know he needed help, I could give him the help. So I had to put that into play of me moving forward. Like, Cesaro, you can't beat yourself up because you didn't know he need help. So it's helped you to move forward in your life, and that's got to be the motivation for yes. your organization. It is the motivation for my organization because now I know the warning signs. Now I push people to speak up. If you having that moment, it doesn't matter what it is. You could lose your job. It don't necessarily have to be a mental illness, something that you're born with. It could be a life situation that could turn your life upside down that you feel like you cannot look past. And it's okay. To others, it might not be a big deal. But to you, it's a big deal. And it's okay for you to raise up and say, hey, I need help. I cannot get this on. You know, I can't get up out of my bed. You know, it's been a week and I'm still in this, you know, in this hole and I can't dig myself out. Open up, reach out for help. My organization, we provide free counseling for anyone that's in a crisis. You know, the first three sessions is free, and you talk to a counselor. Everything is confidential with the counselor. All I need is your information to transfer to the counselor. Everything else, you don't even have to tell me your situation. That's not even really my issue. My issue is to give you the help you need, and I'm not a counselor. So I definitely will send you to someone that could help you. And it's out here. But a lot of times people don't know that the services is really out here for them. So sometimes a lot of people, they know, they want to know the help. They want the help, but they do not know where to go to get the help. What I think is smart about what you're doing is you're giving people the opportunity to ask for help, but then you're also focusing on the warning signs and the yes. things that you can do. So for people that don't want to say anything or are unable to, the people around them can kind of look out and get ahead of anything that might happen. But in order to be successful, you do have to realize that you do have an issue. No matter how how much I want you to get healed, but you have to want to get healed in order to be healed. You know, so that's another aspect that I look on with my husband that, like, I couldn't help him because he didn't want the help. I'm going to necessarily say he didn't want the help. But he probably didn't know because as a man, you know, <laughs> that stigma thing. of being a man, you know, you have to be strong no matter what. You can't cry. You know, you can't show no type of emotions because if you is, they consider you a whole different type of man. So a lot of times men is the biggest ones that suffer silent because they don't really know how to reach out for help. And when they do, it's kind of like I'm a man. I need help, but I don't want you to look at me no different because I'm still that man that I was before I asked for the help. So just breaking that stigma, you know, it, no matter who you are, <laughs> you need help, you need help. And please reach out and get the help that you need. Tazora Moore is the executive director and founder 
of Hear My Cry Foundation, their website, hearmycryfoundation.org. You can give them a call, 214-988-9161. Let's talk about the different services that you guys offer. You just mentioned connecting people with counselors. So is that the main thing that you guys that do? That is the main thing I push. However, we do go out and train faith-based institutions, meaning different religious-based. Uh, we go out and train their pastors or their nurses' aid or whoever that um, the members contact um, for help. We train them. We let them know that, hey, we're here. You know, a lot of times they want to help, but they don't have the resources, so they just resort back into what they know, which is pray and God will make a way. But it's also, and that is a true statement, but however, God do give you counselors. He give you therapists. He give you, you know, psychiatrists, all of that for you to get the help that you need. So just bridging that gap of, you know, we have the resources, so you don't really have to talk too much about your members. Just give them my information and we will give them the help that they need. What is your experience with the churches been like when you're trying to teach them about this stuff have they been receptive have you been shocked have you been surprised how has that experience been for you I would say the experience has been great considering when you talk to people and you kind of give them a different perspective. So a lot of time it's just off of tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, churches are more than like off of traditions. I'm doing what the pastor previously have done. So, but now that you've, you know, I'm kind of younger, so I'm not in that tradition mode and kind of open their mind and say, hey, I mean, you could pray all day, but without pray, pray without works is dead, you know, and that's in your Bible. So you have to give the tools to your members. If Even if you don't know the tools, I'm giving you the tools, you know, and they're more open to it. Like, you know what, that's, I mean, what's the least case scenario? I could just give them your information and they, you, they will, you know, call you if they need you. Is that kind of what you use in your pitch for them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst could happen? I'm not trying to be a pastor. I just let want to help give them you. help. <laughs> yeah, let me help you. You just give them my stuff, you know, and I do the rest. You know, it's just you don't have to learn everything. You know, and a lot of times people don't understand what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times they say, hey, you know, I have somebody, but I don't know what to tell them. And it's not about the perfect words. It's just being open listening because a lot of times people just want you to listen people don't want to feel alone a lot of times when people that die to suicide it's because they feeling like they alone they isolated they're no good they are burial to their family you know all of these are negative thoughts that they're having so with you being you know ensuring them that you matter you know not saying that my husband didn't feel like he mattered but he never opened up to me to even let me tell him those words of how much I love him. Yeah, you could tell a person all day how much you love them, but if they don't love themselves, it's kind of hard for them to reciprocate the love that you're giving them. And I think that's in a lot of situations. When did the organization start? The organization started in 2013. Okay, so quickly after it happened. Yes, I was forced. I wasn't really... I struggled with actually being open and telling people that I lost my husband to suicide. So when people ask me, you know, what happened, it depends on the day. I tell them in an accident. I tell them, oh, hey, he just passed away. I never really, it took me a long time to put the words together of I lost my husband to suicide. And it was pretty much forced. I will not say forced. It pretty much fell in my lap. Like I met a lady that could do everything for a nonprofit. So it was like, how can I say no? <laughs> so with me um, partnering with her, she started the organization. And in that way, once I started the organization, it kind of gave me that bridge of Kate Cesaro. You know, it's time for you to start helping others through your story. You wasn't able to save your, your husband, but in his memory, you could save a lot of people through suicide, you know, with your organization. Has the organization evolved since that time? You've been around for a minute now. Yes, I mean, my you've been organization for a while. has definitely evolved into uh, we have an annual motorcycle ride. So that's what really 
the um, legacy I have with my nonprofit. So around July, I would say it's around July, July, um, we have the organization. But around January, people start reaching out and say, hey, you know, are you having that motorcycle ride? So it's kind of like a, a trend that I have that I started with my organization that they ride because it's a lot of people that lost loved ones to suicide and they really don't know how to um honor them because that's not something that we talk about you know we talk about hey you know it's breast cancer month you know so i'm gonna wear pink you know for whoever that i lost but we don't have that type of month that we say hey i'm gonna set aside this this month or this day that honor the lives of people that we lost to suicide because suicide is it's an act but it's also an illness and so we have to kind of understand that mental illness, mental health and suicide plays a part. If you're not thinking correctly, you will not do normal things. And it's kind of hard for people to understand that. But that's that's the basic and the truth for the people that have received help from Hear My Cry. Have you kept up with some of them? Yes, I have. And Hear My Cry Foundation, we only pay for three sessions. And the people that I've sent to the council, they definitely had went beyond the three sessions so the three the three sessions were kind of because a lot of times people don't even know what to expect with counseling but they'll try it if it's free (laughs) so so you know they come into mind like okay what i have to lose you know i'm not paying for anything you know i mean if it helped me it helped me if it don't it don't you know and they get there and they was like wow this is nothing what i expected you know i'm thinking someone in front of me with this check box you know and just checking out these different questions no it's a conversation that you having with someone you know and kind of they kind of gearing you with your thought process you know giving you other options of your thinking pattern you know you might feel like hey you know i'm in this relationship and i feel like you know i'm not doing enough okay then they'll be able to walk you through that process like why do you feel like you know she might not feel that way but why do you feel like you're not enough you know they just kind of walk you through the different processes of other options that you can have because if you don't talk to anyone else then the only options you have is yourself so you know just kind of giving that overbrew of counseling once they start um he always keep them yeah okay how did you hook up with the counselor that you used for the organization how did that happen just promoting um facebook Okay. They license counselors. You know, I interview them. I make sure that we're on the same accord. With my with my organization, I'm real big about talking it versus medicating. You know, a lot of times that we deal with a lot of issues, but people are so quick to put you on medication. But all you really need is just to talk about your past hurt. <laughs> the things that you dealt with as a childhood, you know, the things that you, you know, all your failed relationships, that doesn't require any type of medicine. That just requires you to be open and understanding, you know, maybe you, this pattern that you have, this behavior pa- pattern that you have is the reason why you're going down this road. So if you start thinking another type of way, then you will get a different type of result. There I'm, you go. I'm really weary of people trying to solve problems with pills yes is that something that has always kind of been with you or have you developed that thought process well i would say always been with me because i'm not really big on medication so i'm more of holistic i feel like you know and i'm not telling you it's some mental mental illness that you have very helpful (laughs) it is very helpful what i'm saying is is that i think that we agree yes that sometimes people they just want to solve a problem with the pill definitely and that's not necessarily the best way to handle it exactly they definitely being over medicated I mean, your evolution through this whole process, it's actually inspiring. You, you, are you surprised at how much you've learned and how much you've been able to kind of guide your life now through this organization? 
I am. I'm very surprised because once I started the organization, I just felt like, you know, it's just little bitty me just starting the organization that I lost my husband to suicide and I'm just, you know, living out my story, you know. So who am I, you know? And once I started it, the, the support has been tremendously, you know, I haven't even apply for any grants for my organization and my organization is funding its own on itself because of donors, you know? Mm. So just to, to have people to believe in my story, to believe in my mission, to believe in my programs, I'm very honored because it's just off of all my pain. I don't have no type of education behind what I'm doing. It's just all off of life experiences. So I'm very honored. And I really didn't think, you know, I knew it's possibility, but I really didn't think, you know, that it would be this, this awesome. Do you think that you're a more open person now with what you've learned? Like, how has this experience impacted who you are today? This has opened me tremendously. I've been the type that's very shy. You're not shy. You're not shy. now. You're not anymore. But um, I used to be the behind the scenes person. You know, even when I started my organization, like, okay, I want to start it, but I don't want to be the face. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, how can you start an organization but not be in a face? I'm like, okay, I just want to do the work behind closed doors. Like, I don't want people to know it's me, you know? And it, But who could tell my story better than myself? Mm-hmm. You know, who could tell my story better than my kids? You know, so I'm building a platform that my kids are actually helping people with bullying. You know, they actually talking to kids, you know, at their school that's being bullied. You know, my middle boy, he speaks when it comes to youth um, activities and stuff, when it comes to suicide, because... He has experienced the loss of his father to suicide. So he tells them the importance of bullying, you know, the the effects of suicide. You know, it just doesn't affect that individually. It affects the family. It affects the community. You know, it affects the world, you know, because the suicide numbers is it's the second leading death. When did you figure out that you were going to have to tell your story running this organization? Because that's another thing. Like you were saying, for a while you thought you could kind of be behind the scenes and you wanted to help people and you could figure that out, you know, away from others. Right. But let's be honest. This isn't going to work unless you tell your story and you are as open and honest about it as you are. Correct. I realized it when she put my bio on my website. (laughs) (laughs) Like, did you read it and then realize, like, oh. Yes, I read it and I was like, I mean, the way you wrote it was, gorgeous so i might as well just own up to it you know although i was very hurt you know when i started my organization i was i didn't know how when or where you know i just knew that i had to save lives from suicide and that's my slogan you know saving lives from suicide and i knew i had to you know just from out of my experience and it's just been a great journey for people that are in the same situation that you are in or were in was it the work through the organization that helped you to kind of lift your spirits out of the dark place that it was? What was it to what was it about this organization or your experience in this that helped you to feel the way that you do now? So I went to a suicide support group. I went with um my kids and myself. Mm. That kind of gave me the option to listen to other people's stories. So I was in a group where it was survivors of suicide, they spouse. So everyone that was in my group, they lost their spouse to suicide. And I didn't want to do personal counseling because I, I'm just a person where I didn't feel like, I wanted to feel like I'm normal. 
So just talking to a counselor, you know, I'm telling them how I feel. But I wanted to be among other people to see, like, how I'm feeling. Is this really normal? You know, is it okay for me to continue to still cry in this three years on down the road? You know, and me hearing their story was like, wow. Um, I had people to people that was in a the group. They actually found their their spouse. I had people in the group that had to clean up the house after their spouse. So listen to these stories. I was like, wow, like I'm not going to minimize what I went through, but it kind of gave me a different perspective of my situation. You know, I wasn't able to, I didn't see him. So just hearing them saying that they got over that, it was like, okay, it is hope at the end of, you know, my journey. It's kind of interesting. A lot of people are afraid of group therapy. They yeah. prefer the one-on-one. You wanted to go to a group. Yes, I, I always want to feel normal. <laughs> I always want to feel like what I'm going through, others went through, you know, so. And you mentioned bringing your kids a lot. This is definitely a subject that people, adults are not comfortable talking about it. They certainly are not comfortable discussing it with kids. And that's a growing segment. <laughs> within right. suicide if i mean if you can put it like that unfortunately it's important to talk to kids and have them involved with this kind of stuff how do you approach that so um, when we started the support group my kids did not know that their father died to suicide how old were your kids at the time my babies were one five and nine they knew that he passed away but i didn't tell him tell them how yeah. I kind of put them in a support group. You know, they was kind of lost. Like, Mama, why everybody in the support group saying that they lost, you know, their parents or they lost someone to suicide? Like, why are we here? And I was like, you know, just continue to go, you know, have an open mind. You know, it was just I did not know personally how to uh, open that conversation up to my kids. But when I started my organization, I knew it was going to be a time that I had to. So my first annual motorcycle ride was the first time, and I will say that was maybe a year and a half after his death. So I kept his death a secret to my kids for about a year and a half. They heard, but I never confirmed. Mm. So after the motorcycle ride, we actually have it in Rally July because that's his death anniversary. So I kind of use it as a platform of all these people is coming out to celebrate, you know, your father's life. And with the organization being a suicide awareness, you know, I kind of had to break it down to them as, you know, when you break your leg, you're not able to walk correctly, right? They was like, yes, yes. I'm like, and if you broke your arm, you won't be able to write normally, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so what do you think will happen if you're not able to think correctly? And it was like, maybe you would do weird things, you know, and it was just all these different, you know, aspects, but it was just a way that I felt that I could be transparent but also let them understand that if it's something wrong with you mentally you will do things that is abnormal you know abnormal you know um to you so I was like okay so with that being said you know your father had issues mentally you know and I don't think that he was able to get past it so he decided to you know end his life and it wasn't more of a sad thing because maybe they had so many people there, you know, celebrating their life that they really didn't take it, you know, to heart as in, wow, like he really killed himself. He's really no longer. But it was more of like maybe if he would have told us, we could have helped him. It was more of that. So I wouldn't say and now everybody could talk to their kids. However, you know, it, it, it was just my way of my pitch to my own. 
But it's very important to be transparent to them because in the studies they do say that suicide could be hereditary. You know, that kids could see that they're, one of their parents did it, so they will feel like that would be an easy way out. Just like if they see that their parents being successful, they will want to be successful. So it's just a, you know, twofold. But just being open and being honest with them, you know, and tell them you don't know. Because I'd have told them, like, hey, I don't know the answer, but let's figure it out. You know, we could figure it out together. What does this organization need right now? What can people do? How can people be a part of it? So you could go to my website, which is hearmycryfoundation.org. Um, you could become a volunteer, and you also could always donate. That's what we mostly need is donations. Donations run the free counseling. Um, that is our biggest push, our biggest program, and it has I mean, I think the counselor said maybe 98% been successful. The other 2% has been people setting up the, the counseling, but they're not going to it. So it's not necessary they're going to counseling and they're not getting the help. It's them. Sometimes, you know, you get in that moment and say, hey, I won't help and I won't help right now. You make the appointment, but, hey, everything looked brighter within them two days. And, you know, you're like, okay, I don't need the help. Then you come back. A month later, you know, so I kind of explain to people, you know, if you set that appointment, my organization has to pay that counselor regardless. So definitely when you put in your mind that you need that help, Hear My Cry Foundation is definitely here to help you. The website, once again, is hearmycryfoundation.org, or you can give them a call at 214-988-9161. It was great speaking with you. I'm really glad that you showed up today. I want to have you back again. I want to learn more about this organization. For people that are interested in the motorcycle ride, it happens in July. You have next year's set right now for July 18th, so it's way far ahead. Right. <laughs> but it's always important to remember right. this kind of stuff, kind of get it in your mind, and if you are interested at all, once again, head up to website, hearmycryfoundation.org. Tazora Moore has been my guest. She is the executive director and founder of this organization. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and always remember, you know, together we will save lives from suicide.